Welcome to Life Fire Layout, the podcast where we bring the world of public safety to your listening device. Tonight, I'm super happy to bring a guest uh, to the podcast. Um, Chief Patrick Robinson is going to be joining us here. Uh, funny story about Chief Robinson is, uh, and actually where we're um, having this podcast be recorded, is in the house that uh, Chief Robinson's family rented to me a bunch of years ago uh, when I was first uh, cruising around living uh, in, in the area. Um, and I'll be honest with you, it's it's a beautiful house, a beautiful area. We are in South Hero, Vermont, where uh, Patrick Robinson has been on the department for over 20 years, 22 years in fire DMS in the town of South Hero, three of which, the last three of which, he has been uh, the fire chief, which is pretty neat. So we're going to talk a lot about that. Um, quickly, even before we get into that, the Robinson name is basically a household name around uh, the islands here. Um, Robinson's Hardware is across the street, has been a staple in this community and the surrounding communities forever. Um, uh, it, South Hero, to just provide the listeners with a little bit of setting, for anyone who lives in Vermont, um, you probably know exactly what I'm talking about, but it is, it's quaint, it's beautiful, and it's got a ton of Vermont charm. Um, you'll hear us reference in the podcast something called The Islands, which is, uh, in essence, South Hero, North Hero, Grand Isle, uh, and then what some people might not realize is it also includes Isle Lamotte and Alberg. So South Hero uh, specifically has about 1,600 residents sort of day to day. Um, summer swell, when the things really get beautiful here in Vermont, especially the islands, um, it at least doubles, if not triples, um, which means, therefore, so does um, some of the, the calls for service, whether it be for fire and EMS, um, which is kind of what I want to talk about tonight, Patrick. So first of all, welcome to the podcast. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Thanks. Um, I'm Patrick Robinson. I've been in the islands when I take over as the farm, it'll be the fourth generation here on the farm, which is pretty sweet. Um, I do carpentry now. I used to be a dairy farmer right out of college and all through high school and grade school. We were dairy farming for three generations till five years ago. And now I do carpentry full time and fight fires and teach EMT class. So you, Patrick, that brings up a very good point, which is that, um, you know, in the volunteer fire service all over America, but in South Hero, Vermont, it's no different. Uh, it's not as if this is your full-time gig. Like you said, right now you do construction, and prior to that, for a bunch of years, you and probably uh, numerous members of your family um, were dairy farmers. Yeah, I mean, in my department alone, in South Hero department, we have an architect, we have a career fire chief in St. Mike's, uh, Leo's great asset to our department in training, and he just knows the ins and outs of all the paperwork and things that I should be keeping up on, which is awesome. Um, we have architects, we have a crane operator, we have teachers, we have retired people that just want to help out, which is awesome. We have uh, corporate business world people, we have a ventriloquist, we have, you name it, we've got it. So it spans a whole wide range of folks uh, and their backgrounds. Talk a little bit about, uh, so this goes into the, the challenges of being the fire chief, is at any point in time, the tones could drop and you could arrive at the station. Um, do you normally get 10, 12, 15 people or, or are the numbers a little scarcer? Oh, no. So we, we call South Hero, we call it a bedroom community or you move here when you retire. So Either you're living here and you're driving off island for work for eight hours a day. So 
midday, so say 7.30 in the morning till 5.30 at night, there could be myself, one other person, or a couple retired guys that aren't doing retired retired people things. Um, could be just a couple of us. And we have a great mutual aid. We rely heavily on our mutual aid with our partnering towns and even off island Milton, Colchester. They all come running when we hit the pet when we call them out. So we rely heavily and on our mutual aid and. Because yeah, I mean, at any yeah, I mean, like uh, the days of the firefighters, um, the volunteer firefighters being on the local, you know, garage or you know, in this case, like on the farm, and just being able to drop everything and at a moment's notice, everyone just leave their work. Those are gone. Yeah, they're like volunteerism as a whole is just dwindling, and every year we're scarcer and scarcer. I mean, the stats are like what. Is it 80% of the fire departments in the country are volunteer and we're all in the same situation of who's going to be around today? There's some days where I can't leave work and it's one other person that shows up to a car accident with a rescue squad and they just got to figure it out. Yeah, and I think that term, they just have to figure it out, pretty much uh, sums up uh, volunteer, the volunteer fire service uh, in general, which you guys do very, very well. I want to hit super quick on the fact that, you know, South Hero is no stranger to the challenges of volunteerism, but you guys have really embraced a lot of uh, change and a lot of, you know, improvement in your own department, in your own, you know, you know how you reach out recruitment retention. Didn't you, was it last year you just, you sent a survey out uh, island-wide? Yeah, so the last two years we've been pushing heavily to get more recruits. And we sent out a email survey throughout the whole town of why why would you or why wouldn't you volunteer? And we got, I don't remember the exact number of replies, but a lot of people are like, we just don't have time. Um, which is fair. Like, if I was trying to get into this right now, I'd probably be like, I don't have time for this. <laughs> But here I am. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so recruitment is, is hard and we might get one or two. I think in the last two years, we've got a handful of people that are really good and have really committed and are sticking around and it's great. But there's a fluctuation. Like people, young families move in and the, they're like, oh, hey, we'll join. And then they have kids and they're like, oh, uh, I don't have time for this. I have three kids now and they're doing sports all over the state. Uh, I'm not going to be around. Yeah. My uh, my buddy Nick, who you know very well, and we'll mention him later, uh, it calls it wife and life. Right. Uh, and you know what? It's you know, it's it's wonderful because uh, having a wonderful wife myself and uh, you know two beautiful kids myself, I know that I want to spend every waking minute with them. But I also know that that comes at a cost. Right. Um, and for a lot of people in the volunteer fire service, that cost can mean the difference between, okay, I am just walking in the door at 5 p.m., the tones drop at 5.01, I got to say, buy kids and family or, you know, and right. it, it's that toss-up. I mean, so it's volunteer, and I tell my guys and girls, it's family first, family and job first, like, come if you can, like, we'll figure it out if you're not here. Like, that's... It's the reality. I've got to keep my members happy so they keep showing up. And you do a great job with that, I will say. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm not on the South Hero Fire Department, but right. I, I know a lot of your folks. Um, great people, by the way, um, especially a lot of the cornerstone folks that have you know have been around for a while. 
And you do draw that line very nicely of saying, listen, uh, the most important thing is is your family and, right. and you know, and, and your job that, you know, in essence pays the bills. <laughs> right. Uh, we're fortunate. Uh, the one guy that's an architect, if he's at his Williston office, his boss is very cool. Like, if we have a structure fire, he can be like, hey, I got a fire in South Sierra. I got a split. Like, Patrick's probably by himself. Like, I should probably go find him. So... <laughs> First of all, that's awesome. Right. And, and you know, you, I, any employer is listening, uh, maybe lean into that and say, oh, you know, maybe I should. If I have a volunteer fire or EMS provider, uh, lean into them a little bit and allow them to leave every once in a while right. within reason. Right. right. Within reason. Like, they shouldn't have to leave, like, all day for an alarm. But, like, he, the, the, guy, the architect, that he doesn't leave for, like, the little calls. He'll come back or he'll text me, as he knows, I'm driving to the scene and be like, what do you think? And I'll be... I don't know. Listen. Yeah. Yeah. Keep like, your ears open. Dispatch sounded confused. Like, <laughs> probably should listen for a minute. Yeah. Now, let's hit on that for a second, because something you just said, uh, I know uh, pre-recording, you and I were discussing sort of what it's like being the rural fire chief yeah. um, in a community like this, where fires actually occur far more frequently than my career department in, in Williston um, for a host of reasons. But another big, big difference uh, is what you just hit on, which is the number of folks showing up. So uh, like you said, you know, your architect friend, uh, you know, is he the assistant chief? Yeah. Chief Reed? Yeah. Uh, so Assistant Chief Reed, you know, he's listening in because, like, you might be the only one there. Tell us a little bit about what it's like being the rural fire chief and then what happens when you get a fire and you, you might be it. I, I've done it long enough to where I don't have those many panic attacks all the time anymore. But, like, the first few times you show up, you hear tones for structure fire and then you don't. It's like radio silence when your pager's on scan. You're just like, oh, no, I'm by myself. What do I do? And you just... The first couple of times I just freaked out and it was, I worked, it worked out. And I was like, Oh, I got this. I can figure this out. Um, and you just learn to lean on mutual aid and hit that Calvary button soon. Like who do you want? Dispatcher, who do you want? It's everybody. Yeah. I don't care. Just give me trucks here. Call early and call <clears throat> often is a phrase that gets tossed around, but in the islands that it becomes the Bible. Right. So right now, as it stands, the, there's three towns. We have an automatic mutual aid, Grand Isle, North Hero, and South Hero. Anytime there's a fire call in any of those three towns, all three towns are toned out. And we all respond until last night we had a car accident. I was like, you guys, we're good. We don't, like, you can cancel, which is fine. We had enough people. It wasn't really that bad of an incident. So it turned them around. But it could have been just me and it could have been bad. So they were still responding. So great. That it, what, what's amazing to me hearing you talk, and, and I've heard this before, but I think it, even now, and for the listeners, I'm, I'm thinking there's probably some shocked <laughs> folks recognizing that it still happens that you show up to incidents alone. And we're not talking the car accident last night. You, you, you could be, um, where it's not terrible and you can cancel a few other of you, your mutual aid departments. We're talking fires. We're talking right. wrecks with extrication, um, you know, situations that in most suburban or urban fire departments you would be getting three and two you'd be getting a lot of apparatus and a lot of people and in essence you start for the first upwards of maybe even 15 20 minutes it's you and maybe one or two others yeah so we had a structure fire a couple marches ago and our first two engine had two people on it i knew we had more guys from our department coming but like they have to drive by the scene and if there's traffic blocked up like how are they going to get there yeah that it, it's, so it's one or two of us where it's hammered into your head and all the classes you take, two in, two out. Like That works in the city, but 
if I do two weight for two in, two out, we're going to have a basement hole. Yep. Yeah. And, it, you know, we are taught as firefighters that life is first. I mean, the, the first part of my podcast, Life Fire Layout, the right. reason it's life first is because that's it's drilled in our head for good reason. Right. There I might mean, be life in there. We're, we're, we're in a unique career. Well, you're in a career. I do it as a hobby. Um, but it's a career. Yeah. We're, we're training very hard and doing very dangerous things. And some would consider slightly insane things. And I think it's awesome. Yeah. But it's, it's the, it's the reality is we're going to have one or two people showing up and we're going to have to put water on the fire somewhere. And a lot of times that means you do a transitional attack because you go to classes and you learn new things. You're like, I could do that. I could work here. So you start getting taken away that fire tetrahedron and take away the heat and you just put water on it eventually you can hold the house from falling in until other departments get there and you got 20 30 people to go after it so yeah let's so let's talk a little bit for some of these listeners who might not be as familiar with the fire service you're mentioning things like transitional attack and you know what is it like and what are some major differences between you know south hero volunteer fire department and some of the more urban or suburban fire departments so the big, big one is we don't have fire hydrants. We rely on getting our water out of the lake, whether that's drafting right out of a boat launch or dry hydrant where we have to hook a fire truck up to a big pipe that comes out of the ground out of boat launch. So that takes two or three guys there to run that to get water. And then we have a tanker relay. So we have tanker trucks flying from a water source to the fire to dump water in these big ponds. And if we don't have water, like we go to fires where they have hydrants and you're like what are you doing running the water like gotta save that they're like oh, no we're on a hydrant like, oh, okay like that's not a problem something um, i'm not used to frankly right yeah. I'm not used to that. let's save that um that's the number one difference and the number two is just manpower yeah manpower like you look at burlington or even wilson you guys roll out for a structure fire like your entire department's dumping and you got what six seven guys on a truck that's more than I got when we show up with like three trucks. Like <laughs> that, I could see uh, Patrick. I could see that just you know in in my mind. I remember the days in Williston. What I thought were you know the very sparse days, which was three on an apparatus or right. two on the ambulance, one on the engine. You know, being being like, wow, we're so in a, in a rough spot here in Williston, and then recognizing that three might be your first fifteen minutes. Right. Uh, and, and hitting back on the water thing, just for the listeners again to, to wrap things up in that realm, uh, what Williston does have about 50% of our district is rural. So we are familiar enough with the rural firefighting operations, albeit we don't do it as much as you in the islands. One of the things that really struck me was the fact that rural firefighting, specifically non-hydranted operations, are two separate operations. Like, oh, yeah. devoting totally. the firefighters, one group of firefighters, just to get you water. Right. Like, so, that's another, if you, if I roll up on a structure fire, I got two people in the truck, I'm the chief, I'm I'm command, so I'm command, I'm pump operator, I might be attack, I've got to do my 360 and size up, dispatch is yelling at me, who do I need, the incoming trucks are yelling at me, where am I going for water supply? So, it's, you're thinking about a hundred different things all at the same time, and you have to take and consider, is it a wicked dry year? Like, what boat launch has enough water and isn't choked out by weeds where I could get water? Which dry hydrant needs work and isn't working? Like, where am I sending trucks to fill up tankers with water? Where am I sending tankers? Like, it's so, all things you got to consider all at the same time. 
So, so this has been, uh, again, your, your past uh, three years of your 22 year career have been, um, as fire chief. One thing I'm just going to give you major kudos for is your innovation. And, uh, in this world that we live in, whether it be the volunteer fire service or fire police, EMS, emergency management in general, it's innovate or die. There's actually a great podcast by my buddy, Zach Borst with EM weekly. Uh, look it up. It's actually called innovate and or die. Um, but the innovation that you do, uh, I'm just going to show, you know, do some foot stomp action here. You did a ride along uh, with us in Williston, you know, a little bit of fun there, but also, frankly, um, you're trying to get some new ideas, anything to bring back. Um, oh, you- when I did a ride along at Williston, your captain was like, oh, we have a meeting, just snoop around for a bit. I'm like, cool, I'm going to go dig through trucks. Yeah. All and, and, you know, we all nerd out with that. But the yeah. reality of it is when you nerd out, you're also like, what can I bring back? To my people, what can we bring back to my right. department to to um, you know allow our job to be easier? So uh, one of the things um, that I want to talk about real quick is uh, the innovation of the the Sam Pumper. So you guys just was it literally July of this year? Uh, we summer? put it in service Mother's Day weekend. Oh wow, okay. Yeah, so it's great. Desource uh, emergency products uh, E one was awesome in helping us get that. Um, so when we had our truck committee. Uh, the assistant chief, Matt Reed, came up and he's like, dude, we should get the sand pump. I'm like, what is that? And he showed it to me. I'm like, I can run the pump from an iPad? <laughs> he's like, yeah. I'm like, that's awesome. And it works with your fire gloves on. I'm like, so I can run that from wherever on scene? He goes, yeah, that's the dangerous part. I'm like, sweet. But it is pretty sweet. And if you took an old pumper class on an old school pumper, there's... If you've never had any kind of plumbing knowledge at all, you just look at it and your brain will explode. And then you look at this truck and like, I'm pretty sure my five-year-old nephew could figure out how to get water out of this thing because it's just, it's an iPad and you just swipe. I want water from here and I want these hoses there to have this much pressure. Bam, it does it. And is it smart enough to, as far as technology goes, is it smart enough to recognize pressure differentials? Like if you go from one two and a half inch hose line to, you know, two of the smaller lines, will it gauge that pressure appropriately? Absolutely. You will not feel a lag. So if I was running pump manually, you're going to feel a lag when I'm switching from a two and a half to two inch and three quarters and drafting now off the tank. Like you're going to feel a lag with the sand pump. You're not going to feel a lag and you're not going to know what the pump's doing unless you have the pump panel thing in your hand, Yeah, which is awesome. And if it has any kind of troubles in the draft out of the pond, it's going to alarm at you. The iPad's going to start blowing up like it's freaking out on you and it'll say trouble and it's going to automatically switch the tank. So it's automatically filling up the tank while you're drafting out of the pond. So your tank is never empty. And it's just, we could not get it to fail when they sent a demo one. And when we did the uh, factory tour at E1, we put it on the pump thing there. That was awesome. And we just played with it. And it's like incredible. So in the realm of innovation, it sounds like this could be, I mean, when you're talking about, um, you guys have done a phenomenal job with doing your very best for recruitment. And yet still those numbers aren't like amazing. So next thing you know, you need to sort of understand and say, all right, well, if we're not getting a ton of people, and even if we do get a, a, an influx one year, it might be, you know, mm-hmm. family, the next kind of thing. So recognizing that the sand pump might be an alternative for your department, 
I appreciate you name dropping a couple, whether it be Disorcery, E one um, you know, we're not on this podcast, not necessarily re- recommending them per se, uh, unless they want to become sponsors. Uh, <laughs> but what we are saying, like the innovation piece that you have always had, chief, whether it be guest speakers you bring in for training, coming to take a look at things like the forcible entry door, or in this case saying, all right, you know, Matt Reed, awesome guy saying, Hey, let's, let's look into this. Instead of you saying, no, it's, it's this technological nightmare. I don't want to dive down that road. We're going to do it. Um, you get the demo. Now you guys love it. I'm personally excited to, uh, I have not seen it in operation, but you bet your bottom dollar I'll be coming to find a training to, to check it out. Right. When he first brought it up, I'm like, man, there's no way that's going to fly with the rest of the department. Like, we're all a bunch of, like, farm boys. Like, I barely run up my computer. Like, I have an iPhone, but, like, I check my email and my trail camera pictures on it. That's about it. Yeah. Um, but you found success. We found success. Yeah. Like, I could turn my iPad on to Netflix and that's all you need to know how to do is to run your pump you, you joke put up. the pump and gear out and you jump out of the truck and you just take the ipad and away you go it's crazy you, you joke about the five-year-old nephew but i uh, listeners now know uh distinctly right i have a five-year-old who i think when he was three for pete's sake and you know parents out there oh technology listen you know, we all need it. Uh, right. Firefighters need it when they're solo on the fire truck, and uh, parents need it when they need the three, four, five-year-old to uh, maybe catch a, 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 a moment of zen while I drink my morning coffee. Um, Patrick, let's let's zip to another aspect of your innovation, which is your time with uh, the Northeast Emergency Training Solutions. Shout out to my buddy Nick Carson, who appeared on episode, uh, was it two, TACMED? Uh, check that out for sure. But So you're involved in Nets. Tell me about, a little bit about that. So right after our auction for the dairy farm, I was just like, what else can I do? And we do a yearly CPR refresher, and we've hired Nets for years to help do that for the fire department. And I was just like, huh, I'm going to reach out to Nick, see if I can get my CPR instructor so I don't have to schedule a instructor night. I can just be like, hey, I'm going to teach CPR to the fire station. So Nick hooked me up with taking that CPR instructor course. And from there, I helped him for a few classes. And he's like, hey, you want to help teach EMT class? And I was like, sure. He's like, go see Chris McCarthy at this place on Saturday. I'm like, cool. So I've been teaching EMT classes every other Saturday for the last three years. It's pretty sweet. Like, I keep learning. My skills are getting sharper by teaching other people. People, here's the thing about you being chief, uh, is that they watch you, right? right. We, you know, the good and the bad. Um, and everything that I have seen from you is is awesome. I know we all have our faults, but, like, think about that. You've got these new members that are checking out their chief saying, well, what's he doing, you know? Uh, and, and recognizing that you are not a, not only, you know, uh, an innovator, but you also do things like, all right, on your off time, you're teaching classes, you're learning more for yourself and bringing it back to your department. Right. The islands have had at least one Nets class. And we're not just talking CPR first aid stuff. We're talking like PHTLS, PALS. Oh, we um, hosted at least, so we hosted a EMR class. We've hosted two EMT classes. Uh, PHTLS, TACMED. We're having another PHTLS class on Saturday, the refresher. Like, it's awesome. Like, it, it, well, and think, it, like, think about it. Bring it on. I love that. Like, a community of 1,300 people. Yes, when it's Wells and Islands area, it's, you know, summertime, it's it's more than that. But a community that, humor me, small, right. and yet you are offering all of this. If there's people that are interested in becoming EMTs, EMRs, whatever, you've got that covered. If you want to learn more about the fire, you've got that covered. Like, 
definitely check them out, South Hero Volunteer Fire Department, on uh, social media too, because whether it be you, Al Gettler, another awesome guy on your department who who runs, I think, a lot of your social media. He's our PI. He's what you do on Wells. He's our PIO. And he's he's Pretty stupendous, awesome. right? Former uh, you know media guy himself, so he's yeah. got it on lockdown. But um, you know, leaning in and taking advantage of all of these people um, is the name of the game, and you do that real, real well. Um, is, is, is there anything else uh, that the listeners should know about uh, how awesome or challenging it is to be uh, a rural fire chief? Um, you got to just listen to your people. Like we've recently before it was, nope, we're training every Wednesday and maintenance is the first Wednesday of the month and business meetings the last Wednesday. This year we've taken Wednesdays off. Like weird. We don't have training on Wednesday. Like weird. But hey, you know what? We all need a night off. Um, including like, the chief right I have meetings like there's a couple weeks out of the month where I have meetings Monday through Thursday it's nuts and it's crazy but like whatever I'm doing it we're here you guys are all there and and I think the uh, we just figure it out statement and, and we will make do is is amazing I, I do hope anyone listening out there who is saying man this is like the wild west are you John Wayne out here or what um, should I maybe... mean we, we joke about that and guys from Burlington like my current nurse Steve Pettit will reach out how you doing it's like oh things got a little western this morning he's like sounded like it uh huh we're like ah, I sorted it out though he's like yeah we heard you so my uh, I I don't want to spoil anything. So my I'm gonna ask my 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 wrap up question here, but then I want to you know lean into one thing before we wrap up completely. Um, as we do uh, bring this to a close, uh, the proverbial question I ask for any one of my guests is, uh, what do you want the listeners to do tomorrow? Keep learning. Join your fire department. Join your rescue squad. All right. I, okay. Mic drop because, and I'm so happy that I didn't just uh, take any of that because as you were talking through this entire show, I'm like, you know what? I, I really hope the listeners, yeah, a lot of them are in fire EMS. You know, it's, it's blending the worlds of emergency management, fire police, EMS, et cetera. So most of the listeners have some background in some of this, but if you aren't for perhaps um, involved in your local fire um, or EMS agency, maybe now is an opportunity to take a look around and, and see what you've got going on. More importantly than that, I talk to my buddy Zach Borst about this all the time, which is uh, just get involved in that community as well. So right. know know what your uh, fire department is, is is capable of, and and if there's anything you can do to leverage that. I know my department that you've been in, Patrick. Right, you drive by. They used to call it the Taj Mahal. You know, multiple bays in the front. People would drive by and think there's you know 50 firefighters on duty all the time. And then you realize, you know, up until a year and a half ago, there was three. Right. We have, you know. we have the same thing now. We have a brand new station. It's pretty sweet. And everybody's like, oh, how come you guys aren't there? Well, we're volunteer. We all have other jobs. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And in, in, in leveraging the knowledge that, uh, you know, whether it be getting in front of the select board or, you know, your people via social media, your community members to say, hey, listen, FYI, we have this sweet pumper. But the reason we need to have this sweet pumper is because what we don't have is the people to you know properly or fully staff it so right uh chief robinson it's been a real pleasure i i really as we you know have good memories from this uh this place from years ago and also all the good times that we've had uh you coming in at williston me coming up here to the islands uh, i hope to continue this relationship for a long time uh and for any of the listeners just stay safe uh and get involved in your community like patrick robinson said and uh, we'll catch you next time thank you